all of us experience holy moments, moments that are just different, that are spectacular, they're great, they're extraordinary, they're different, they're holy. The word holy, yes, it means without sin, it means pure, there's no trace of evil, but it also means set apart, different, unique, holy. We all have holy moments. Like when you hold a squishy, gishy little baby for the first time where the neck is kind of bobbing, right? That moment is holy. That's a holy moment because this child is created in the image of God and it takes your breath away. When you're at a wedding, you experience holy moments, those moments when the bride and groom see each other for the first time, and it's just like hard to not cry, right? Because you're just overwhelmed by something unique, something different, something holy. Sometimes these holy spectacular moments happen out in creation. So you see the Grand Canyon or the Grand Tetons and you're just taking your breath away and you go, holy cow. And it's whole, it's like, it is mesmerizing. It is powerful. It stops you in your tracks. It grabs your attention, it's holy. I, I go camping and canoeing in Canada. And you get many miles away from electricity and you go out on a lake at night and look up at the sky and you see the northern lights. It's holy. It's just the only word you can use to describe it. We, we actually, as a society, as a world, we just had a spectacular holy moment couple weeks ago, right? There was a partial lunar eclipse. And if you watched this, it was three and a half hours long, pretty spectacular. But when you hear the science of something like this hasn't happened in 600 years. I mean, that means how many generations and generations and generations of people have never seen anything like it that is holy. We all experience holy moments, but only some of us are transformed by holy moments. So we're gonna talk about the birth of Jesus today. It's a holy moment, but honestly, many of us have heard the story of Jesus' birth so many times we're bored. Magi, shepherds, there's a star in the sky, baby in a manger, like, really? And do you know, honestly, that's God's design? You see, he comes as a baby to not overpower you or overwhelm you, but to actually give you and me a choice whether we're going to be in awe or not. We can choose to look at this scene, this moment, and dismiss it or we can see it as holy. So what we're gonna focus on today is this holy moment that took place 2,000 years ago that changed the lives of many people is still the same holy moment now that can change you and me if we're just humble. Matthew chapter two, verse one through 11. If you have your Bibles, turn them on, open them up, follow along. Shout out to you online. If you're on your couch, get up and get your Bible. If you're watching on chapel, wherever you are on campus, love for you to turn it on, follow along with us. Matthew chapter two, verse one through 11. God, as we open up your scriptures, we open up our hearts. 
Remove every distraction, every encumbrance, every hardness, every temptation to yawn or dismiss this as familiar. Strip away every distraction and doubt and allow us with the clarity like we've never seen or experienced before to descend upon this space and to make this moment holy. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew's gospel is unique in that Matthew wants us to see how this baby born in Bethlehem is the long-awaited, promised, and prophesied Jewish Messiah sent to rescue the human race from our sin. And so Matthew's going to go into great lengths to connect the things that were prophesied and foreshadowed, things in some ways that were hidden in the Old Testament that we've talked a lot about over the last number of weeks that were foreshadowed in prophecy and hidden that now comes into the New Testament in the arrival and the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm actually going to start reading in Matthew chapter 1, jump back a couple verses, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Matthew connecting dots. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph, did you catch this? The baby, you're not the father. And the baby is God in the flesh, like mind-blowing. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up from this dream, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Matthew's gospel is a little bit kind of chill, and it gave birth to a son, and his name is Jesus. Not a lot of attention, not a lot of details, kind of dull in some ways, but he's going to get the audience's attention and say, this curtain of Old Testament prophecy and foreshadowing that took place, now the curtains are going to finally open and you're going to see in full light, he's here, God in the flesh. And just to make sure you notice this holy moment, God's going to put a star in the sky to get people's attention. Chapter two, verse one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Matthew's connecting this account of Jesus and trying to make sure you understand, I understand, this is no fairy tale. This is connected in a real city, Bethlehem in Judea, during a historic reign of a king named Herod. And these guys, magi from the east, show up asking, where's the king of the Jews? Well, guys, like, why are you here? Why are you asking? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. 
Get it? These guys aren't stupid, these magi. They're like the scientists of their day, and they've seen this spectacular star in the sky that they can't get their eyes off of, and they have to know what it means. And they've connected the dots that this star is connected to the promised Jewish Messiah, and they start following the star. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he hears that these guys show up asking, where's the king of the Jews? Saw a star. He was disturbed, really disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, Matthew's connecting dots, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means among rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He's foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Now the curtain in the New Testament opens up to show this is God. He's been promised, foreshadowed. Now he's here. And God prophesied all this, foreshadowed all this, so the Jewish people would pay attention. But they missed it. And it took these guys from the East who were not ethnic Jews to see a star and say, hey, uh, guys, did you see the star? Like, where's the Messiah? And they're all going, well, I don't know. Well, I guess we, we missed something. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. FYI, Herod had no intention of worshiping this baby because he's the king of the Jews. And he's just doing this little scheme because he's threatened by this. If you keep reading verse 16 and following, you'll see that Herod's so threatened by babies that he just has all of them in the region killed because he will not lose any authority, any possible threat to his reign and rule. He will eliminate. Now I want you to camp out in verse 9. Here's where things get holy. After they heard the king, the Magi went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. This supernatural star rises like a GPS guides them. That's been done before, right? In the Old Testament, how did God guide GPS his people into their salvation? He did something phenomenal in a supernatural way to guide them, and if they followed, they would find their salvation. God does that again with a star, they follow the star like a GPS to Jesus. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On the coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. This is a holy moment. Now, I want you to think back. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Moses. Remember, Moses is the shepherd, he's alone in the wilderness and he sees a bush burning. There's something miraculous, something holy about seeing a bush burn, but this bush was no normal burning bush because normal bushes would burn and burn up. But Moses looks at this, and Moses is not a stupid guy. He sees this bush burning, and he goes, it's not burning up, it's just burning, and he goes towards it. He's alone, he sees this holy, spectacular, extraordinary thing, and he moves towards it. And as he moves towards it, what happens? The bush starts to talk, right? And we learn that that talking bush was actually a theophany. It was a 
foreshadowing. It was Jesus speaking through the bush to Moses. Moses approaches the bush. Jesus starts to speak to Moses. And what's the first thing Jesus says? He says, hey, bud, take off your shoes. The place you're walking is holy ground. You see, God wanted to interact with Moses. He wanted to use Moses. He wanted to talk to Moses. But first, Moses had to understand that he was sinful and God was holy. That he was imperfect and God was perfect. And so Jesus says to Moses in that moment, take off your shoes, bud. And Moses hits the deck and takes his shoes off. And this holy moment transforms him. Now fast forward to the Magi. They also see something holy, something spectacular, something in creation that they go, what is this? They look at this star in the sky and instead of dismissing it, these are scientists, instead of dismissing it, they go, we gotta follow this. We gotta find out what this is. And they move towards it. And it leads them to the place where they see a baby in a manger and it makes them overjoyed. Unlike the burning bush, Jesus spoke through the burning bush, but now Jesus wraps himself in the skin of an infant, in the limitations of a baby. And he can't say, take off your shoes in toddler words. He just can coo and cry. And yet there's something so holy, so unique, so wonderful about this moment that no words need to be spoken. They just hit the deck and they go, holy. This is holy. And I know what some of you are thinking in this moment. When you read stories like this, or you hear stories like this, you go, you know, stars don't lead anyone to people. Like, it just doesn't work that way. And God doesn't become a baby and get held and have his diaper changed in a major. Like, it just doesn't happen. And I get it. See, our rational minds kick into overdrive and we go, this can't happen. This is too weird. This is too spectacular. It must be a fairy tale. Would it, can I encourage you just a moment? Instead of saying this is just a fairy tale, could you step over here for a moment and go, what if? What if the God of the universe actually bursts into common, normal, everyday moments and does supernatural things to get you and me to look up. I mean, is it really a crack called the Grand Canyon or a work of art by an artist that's incredible who says, I'm going to form this to cause you to scratch your head and to stand on the edge of it and go, holy cow. And like, you're overwhelmed by it. Is it possible that this author, this creator, drops into our lives these holy moments to rest our attention and cause us to ask questions and say, maybe there is among the common, uncommon things that cause us to lift up our eyes. I mean, really? Is this just a ball of cells that coos and cries? Or is this the design of a creator who says, two people who share hearts and parts are going to come together and make something that acts just like both of them sandwiched together, and it's beautiful and holy, or do you just dismiss it as random? What if God is breaking through the common and the ordinary in all of our lives all the time, and you're just dismissing it as fairy tale, or that doesn't make logical sense to me, or I can't prove that empirically. 
And because of that, you're missing all kinds of holy moments. These magi were scientists who could have dismissed the star, but instead they follow this extraordinary thing, and it doesn't lead them to a place. It leads them to a person. His name is Jesus, and he changes everything for those who have eyes to see. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. We're going to slow down for a moment and see the character of this baby. Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. When the Magi show up to ask, where is the king of the Jews to be born? King Herod gets the religious scholars together, right, and says, guys, like, we missed this. Where is this ruler to be born? And the religious scholars quote the prophet Micah, written 700 years earlier, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I mean, think of the political landscape of our country. is always looking for the next political leader out of this state or this Democratic, this Republican, this place, the next president's going to rise. And when we describe that next president, do we describe them this way? When we hear this ruler will emerge, we think the ruler is going to be overpowering, the ruler is going to be dominating, smart, controlling, political. No, it says this ruler will shepherd my people, Israel, the holy shepherd born in a manger, born to a bunch of peasant parents in the city of David, Bethlehem, after the great shepherd, David, is the holy shepherd who wants to protect, who wants to provide, who wants to guide you. So today, if you feel beaten down by evil and abuse and injustice in the world, there's a holy shepherd who has come to protect you. If you're broken down by your sin and shame and you feel like a failure, feel like you don't have anything and you're dirty, there's a holy shepherd who wants to provide you with forgiveness. You need wisdom and counsel and guidance, how to handle something at home, how to handle something at work, how to handle something in your family. There's a holy shepherd who wants to guide you and walk beside you. This ruler will not overpower you. He comes as a baby. He dies Innocently, He rises again victoriously to live forever, to shepherd you, to care for you, to protect you, and to guide you. Have you noticed this whole story of the birth of Jesus separates people into two categories? It's like there's a dividing line with Jesus, separates people. The proud, they never experience the transforming power of holy moments. King Herod... I mean, he wants to provide, protect his legacy and his life. He missed completely the holy birth of the shepherd. You, you too can be proud and just dismiss this. Those are just stars in the sky. Those are just mountains. Those are just rivers and streams. This child is just a random process of evolution that just showed up on planet Earth. You could spend your entire life actually hearing the story of Jesus and dismiss this as a fairy tale or your religion or your tradition and not experience anything holy from this birth. Maybe Jesus has never made you take off your shoes. He doesn't command you to 
bow down and worship him. He won't. He's too gentle. He's too kind. There's people that will spend their entire lives with no holy moments where they don't see and connect the dots to what God is doing because their pride makes them think that their rational science, logic, strength, academics, money, desires, passions, pursuits are more important and that the world revolves around me. That everything's about me. That's what pride does. See, because to admit that there's a God that's above me, a God that's stronger than me, a God that's smarter than me, a God that's before me and behind me and all around me means that I'd actually have to listen to him. And who wants that? I mean, proud people aren't going to listen to no man, especially the man Christ Jesus. And what arrogance does, it causes us to miss There might be a holy moment where you sense something is pretty cool and then you don't ask the question, you don't submit, you don't humble yourself and you're just proud and it doesn't change you. But they're humble experiences. The humble experience, the transforming power of a holy Christ, it's these magi who are not stupid people. They're seeking, they're trying to understand. And when they find Christ the King, They recognize it. They connect the dots. They're following. They're seeking. They're trying to understand. And God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you want me, I will show myself to you. So Matthew 2, 11 says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with their mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented Jesus with the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So they see the baby, they recognize, they're they're watching this star, they're following it, they're sensing, they're seeing, they're humble, they're hungry, they see Jesus in the flesh and go, this is the king. Then the text says, out of that holy experience, they gave these gifts, whatever they had. They were like, here, it's yours. They had a holy moment, it changed them, and they responded with evidence they were changed. Maybe you've had a holy moment in your own life. Maybe you've been trying to find religion or peace or hope or forgiveness or purpose, and you've tried all the religious streams. You've tried all the different ways to God. You've done all of that, and you're tired of it. You've tried multiple ways and they don't work to make you feel better. And you heard about this Jesus and you put your trust in Jesus and he saved you. He rescued you from your sin and shame, not because you're good, but because he's good. Not because you deserve it, but because he's merciful. And that moment when you put your trust in Jesus, you sensed a holy presence that changed you. That holy moment when you gave him your sin and he took it from you and gave you forgiveness and hope, that's holy. Maybe some of you decided to be baptized. Have you watched a baptism? They're weird, right? Like grown adults are going, getting dunked in their water in front of people. That's weird. But if you've been rescued from your sin and your sin is removed as far as the east is from the west... 
not because of anything good in you, but because of the goodness of God, and the king says, believe and be baptized, then you follow and obey the king, right? If the king says, this is what I want you to do with your money, this is how I want you to live in your sexuality, this is how I want you to treat your spouse, this is how I want you to act in the world, this is how I want you to treat other people, then when the king who has forgiven you of everything, he now owns you, and when he says, this is how I want you to act, you give him your obedience no matter how much it costs, you say, I'll obey. And in that, there is a holy moment where you recognize and you're changed. Maybe you're on a walk or you're reading your Bible or you're sitting in a worship service or you're looking at a piece of art and you sense the greatness of God and tears start to well up. Have you had that experience? where you just can't even control it. Because when you're in the presence of Almighty God, there's times that the only thing you can give him are your tears. And you give your tears to him. And that is a holy moment. For me, music has a way of creating holy moments for me. And so especially at Christmas, have you noticed there's some really bad Christmas music? Right? some really dumb Christmas music. I'm not going to talk about anybody's red shoes, right? Like, I'm not going to talk about that. Don't buy me any of them. And, but here's the thing. There's some bad Christmas music, but there's some really good Christmas music. And one of the things I try to do every Christmas, just my own discipline, is to try to find songs that help to lift my eyes to the holiness and the greatness of God, to create deliberately holy moments and so two songs that are grabbing me, I dropped them in your app, YouTube clips in your app. Fernanda Ortega's Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silent is killing me this Christmas. It's awesome. Andrew Peterson's Come Around You, Children Come. Man, these songs that can create as you pursue them, again, I dropped them in YouTube. Go watch them. They can create opportunity if you seek you will find holy moments that change you, but the proud reject it when the humble are receiving it. Where are you? I mean, is there evidence in your life that you've experienced the transforming power of the Holy Christ? Or is this just your religion? You say, well, I put my faith and trust in Jesus 40 years ago. I had that holy moment feeling 40 years ago, but I haven't felt anything since then. Brother, sister, something's wrong. It's a lifetime of pursuing and growing and being changed. Oh, we're just doing Christmas again. It's what we always do. And then, you know, Pastor Joe and Pastor Brad talk about the Christmas stories. And we have Christmas Eve services. And we hold up the candles. And there's nothing holy about that for you. That's your problem, and I'm sad for you because if you have no holy moments that are changing your very existence, then I wonder if you've met the risen Christ who came as a baby and lived and died and rose again to change everything for you, not just something in the distant past for you, but a holy transformational moment with him now. Is there evidence? If I asked your wife, you've been following Jesus for how many years? What would she tell me? Have you been transformed by this holy Christ? If I asked your children, your coworkers, or are you just a Christian by name only? 
then you've not been transformed and I want to introduce you to this Jesus who is gentle and kind and wants to guide you and protect you and help you and transform you. Maybe you've just been moving too fast and things have just been too hard. You lost a loved one this year to COVID. Your, your parents are in a, a retirement home or you need to take care of them because it's just hard and they're declining fast. You're busy at work. You're busy at school. There's so many things that drive your attention away and you haven't slowed down to see that the supernatural is breaking into the natural all the time to put on display the power and the presence of Christ who is kind and gentle as a shepherd wants to protect and care for you. Can I beg you to slow down? Open your eyes to the way God is constantly working to break into the ordinary with the extraordinary to show you he is kind, gentle, loving, present, holy, and wants to take your sin and your tears and your fears and your hand and walk with you through every aspect of life. But... If you're moving too fast, it's just a crack in the ground called by erosion instead of a work of art caused to lift our eyes and see the great and mighty king who loves us. Have you had holy moments? And as we come to the end of the year, I know it's been a difficult year for many of us. As a church, I just want to give you two options of ways that you, you can gear in. We're looking for people who are willing to give away boots and bucks. I'm just being honest with you. I gotta tell you about this partner that just contacted us this week. Valley Health Partners Street Medicine Team. Partners with LVHN. They serve 1,000 homeless people in the Lehigh Valley. And they called us up and said, healthy feet lead to healthy people. Can you give us 1,000 boots? And guess what I told them? Of course. Well, we don't have enough time. It doesn't matter. So not today, but next week when you come to church or if you're online, call us. We'll get you a tag with the name of a homeless person in the Lehigh Valley and their boot size. And we are going to give a thousand boots, right? And it needs to be in by December 20th. It's a practical way we can help. We were asked we respond. The second thing is we need cash. There's a couple things that are happening around our campus that we need $250,000 for. There are ways in our kids' ministry area that we weren't able to finish a project because we ran out of money. We want to finish and make our kids' environment right for our kids. And do you know there's thousands of people watching online every week? We need dedicated space to engage these people online. You, and so we're looking for people who are at the end of the year going, hey, I can give boots or I can give bucks. If you can help in any way, go on our website, lv8faithchurch, not lvhn.com, faithchurchlv.com, great partners, lvhn and St. Luke's, great partners. But go on our website. We would love for you to engage. The holy risen Christ came in a manger. Have you seen him? Do you see him? Has he changed you? Would you pray with me?
quiet my heart, Lord, and show me a Christmas as peaceful and calm as an old cattle shed. Slow down my pace, Lord, and help me seek Jesus, the son of your love, in a humble straw bed. Steady my spirit, Lord, and call me from chaos and simple surrender to pray and rejoice. Break through the busy, too bright celebration and whisper your message. Be still, hear my voice. We want to hear your voice, King Jesus. Amen.